Did you know your daily routine could be the key to your next vacation getaway? NerdWallet helps you compare travel and cashback cards to turn your everyday purchases into your next unforgettable getaway experience. Traveling doesn't have to be expensive, and daily expenses don't have to get in the way of your next escape. Imagine purchasing food and earning points towards a free hotel room, or earning points toward a flight by simply buying gas. Regardless of your financial situation, the NerdWallet team will help you make sense of your options at nerdwallet.com. Get expert information from an award-winning team of nerds to make even the most complicated money questions and topics easy to understand. NerdWallet's dedicated team will offer the tips you need to get that vacation you've been waiting for without breaking the bank. NerdWallet offers everything you need to make sound financial decisions while costing you absolutely nothing. Find the smartest financial products for you on NerdWallet.com or in app stores by downloading the NerdWallet app. Hi guys, this is Jim the Keys bartender. It is coming from a cooler and sunny. It is I am coming from a sunny and cooler bar of keys. How are you today? I know when the East Coast is cold, a lot you know, northern hemisphere is cold. Uh, so stay warm. I don't know what to say. Down here people have different reactions to it. I'm reveling in this weather. This cool weather here. We have the windows open, fresh air. I sleep better at night. I work better. I, gosh, I do everything. There's something about it. The only thing around here is like the flora and the fauna don't do so well in the cooler weather. Not so much, I guess, unless it freezes that the plants do all right. But when it gets cool at night, our local... Animal life, I guess it's an invasive one, the iguanas. And people fucking hate iguanas down here for some reason. They have a hard-on for our iguanas. Yes, they do. They actually have people that just rejoice in killing these. They're invasive species. But then again, like I've said for years, humans are the most invasive species in, in the solar system right now. You know, iguanas weren't looking to come to the Florida Keys. They were brought here. Okay? Humans built space, uh, built rockets to get to the moon and they're attempting to get to another planet. And if they get any more advanced in technology, they're looking to get outside the solar system. So, be on the lookout if you're listening. Luckily, this doesn't broadcast. Unless... Aliens are monitoring our internet. They could be monitoring our airwaves, but who knows? Why wouldn't they? If you're that advanced and they have come to visit, if they have come to visit or they're are they observing us from a distance, like a neighbor looking across the street at a neighbor that's kind of disturbing. You know, they're looking through the shades. So aliens could be like that older well-off neighbor looking for the through the shades and say what is my neighbor up to there oh my god they're having another party they really don't take care of their property that well oh that looks really dangerous they don't really take care of their 
their uh, lawn, their trees look like shit. Oh man, they got to change their water pipes. I mean, whatever. They're going to be looking, they're looking across the street and they say, man, they got a lot of weapons too. Who they defend? Oh, they're defending themselves against themselves. And they'd be looking and say, well, we get along here over here, but these guys are crazy. I don't know how I got that. I was just talking about iguanas. What happens when the weather gets cool? These cold-blooded animals just go dormant as they're genetically or evolutionary designed to do. So they, they move a little slower. If the temperature gets really low, they actually go into the water. Iguanas don't normally go for a swim and things like that because they don't really care about the heat. But they'll get in the water in order to avoid like 60 degree weather. They'll just jump in the water and get warm up there. And they hang on. But they fall they fall out of trees at night when it gets the temperature gets so and then their heartbeat slows down and stuff and they go into a dormancy. There have been stories about people uh, oh this is the Wells Far Fargo wagon it's coming down the street or UPS or FedEx or something. It looks like we're getting a, a delivery. But there's stories about people driving down the road and picking up iguanas. I don't know why you'd pick up an iguana if you thought it was dead. I know you hear stories about people making road roadkill recipes. Right? I mean, if you're hungry, that may be a thing to do. But what happens is the story is if someone's driving down the road and they, they're picking up, they're seeing these iguanas laying on the side and they think they're dead and they put them in the back. But the temperature in the vehicle is warmer than outside and they start coming back. You know, like zombies. Like if you were collecting, you know, collecting dead bodies and the, the bodies started coming alive. That's what it's like when you get those. And you see that. You can see that with other animals. That's what I used to, the first time I ran across one of these poisonous boat toads. That's an invasive species. Um, I I took a bucket of ice. I, um, I caught the uh, toad, not by hand, because you're not supposed to get it on your hand, but you can catch it as long as you're not sticking to your face. It could go through your, I mean, stick it through your eyes or your face. It's a neurotoxin. It's not really deadly to humans, but it could make you really sick. So what I did is I took the toad, I put it on the ice, and what happens, they go dormant, and you leave them on ice long enough, they ended up just dying. Because it's just too cold. But the nice thing about it with dormancy and stuff like that, it's not as, I don't think it would be as cruel a death. Freezing. If you ever saw that, was it Hans Brinker, Hans Christian Andersen? I was going to hands Hans Brinker. Hans Christian Andersen's story about the little match girl. Girl selling matches. It's uh, 1800s. I think it's Copenhagen. Something like that. And it's very cold. And she sells matches. And she's freezing. And while she's uh, trying to sell the matches, she's, still, she's freezing so bad she starts using the matches to stay warm. And each time she lights a match, she starts imagining something, seeing something more beautiful and more beautiful. And then she lights all the matches. And she sees a beautiful house with food and all that stuff. And ends up, she ends up dying. Yeah, that was... Did Hans Christian Andersen, almost all, like the Grimm 
brothers and Hans. They're all like horrible stories at the end. Very brutal. I guess they didn't do a lot of happy endings in the 1800s. Different time, different thing. And you know what? There's not a lot of happy endings uh, around today. Speaking of not happy endings, we get people to come in, especially with the cold. We seem, I seem to think our bar and restaurant, since we're not on the water, and most of our seating's inside, that we do rather well when the weather gets cooler because people don't really go out of their way to sit outside on the water because it's windy, breezy, and cool. And that played out last night. And sometimes we get this, just from word of mouth, got people that want one particular cocktail. For some reason, they like, at our place, they like the lychee pertini, espresso martini. Espresso martini is all over. I think people are about over it right now. Uh, We do a peanut butter martini. But whenever I'm short of a critical ingredient, I always say, listen, I don't have that in particular. I can do something else and I can do something special for you. So I try to alternate it if I run out of, if there's a big run on it. There's only so much pear vodka when you have a run, you have like 40, 50 uh, lychee pertinis in it a month and it uses you know an ounce that uses up a couple bottles and you may not get another bottle for a couple days so you got to think well what's a good one like a maybe an apple vodka or peach vodka or mango why not it's a similar taste profile pear peach pear apple pear maybe not so much pineapple but it's there it's something there's not, nothing wrong with mixing those two. Maybe pear does go especially well with lychee, but when you do it and you mix in a little uh, homemade sour mix and, and cranberry juice, you get the thing. You get the right thing. You get the right mix. You get that thing that people are looking for. And obviously when someone's looking for one of those flavored martinis, they're looking for something that doesn't taste a lot like booze and tastes a little like a a dessert. So you got to take it from that direction. Unless they want to taste, if they're, if they're more into vodka, you got to think, I better just give it a hint. Put regular vodka in and back it off. But I'm not here to teach you about bartending because that's not really a good thing to do over a audio technology, right? An audio platform. It's better to see when you're bartending. You see what it looks like and things like that. But there's always something you can do. And there's no reason. Last night we had some gentleman come in last night and he asked for Applejack. Now, there was a, a liquor called Applejack before. Jack Daniels came out with Jack Daniels Apple. He was asking for Jack Daniels Apple. There was, there was a, a liquor or a liqueur I've never served it, but I heard about it, called Applejack. So he's doing that, and he asked, and I said, well, if you, would you want like an, an, a crown apple? And he goes, yeah, I'll take it. See, there's an alternate. Some people really don't care. Give me a shot of bourbon. Give me a shot of tequila. Then you're, you're fine. Uh, one of the things I have to deal with when I come into the the bar, yeah, we get a lot of people that are in great moods when they come to 
to a bar, but sometimes people aren't the, at their best when they're out. And you know who you are. And that kind of brings everyone down. They're kind of like the people that were, I'm not happy until you're unhappy. I don't think it's as intentional as that t-shirt is. I think someone, you'd have to be a very big asshole to truly believe in that. I'm not happy unless you're unhappy. Why would you even want to fucking associate with a person like that? Yeah, well, you'd have to be of another... I guess you'd have to be of another ilk. If your primary goal is to make people unhappy, then that would be an interesting reflection upon your deathbed. You're dying. If you did have time to reflect... And you thought, wow, looking back on life, I really made a lot of people unhappy. Well, my job is done on this earth. Wow. And if you had a coming to God moment, you'd probably be really praying. I said, man, I'm really sorry I did that. That was kind of selfish. I didn't think about what would happen at the end. Because I'm thinking I might have screwed myself over by, you know, and then there can be people who say, well, maybe I... Maybe that was the tribulation people needed, the suffering people needed in order to make them more pain. No, no, it wasn't. The you dispensing it did not make you a better person or make it easier for you. But needless to say, if you do believe in an afterlife where there is a scale weighing your good deeds and bad deeds, if your credo was... I'm not happy unless you're unhappy. That really weighs down on the other side. You are a piece of shit. And if that was your goal to be a piece of shit, then congratulations, you achieved it. I did say someone yesterday that was, uh, they had, I'm not going to mention who it was. And they don't listen to podcasts. I don't think they do. Because they spend their money well, they, they they ended up having drinks and they didn't have enough money. And they said, no, I'll pay you back. And I said, you know, this is not what we do. You definitely don't annoy me and then tell me you don't want have money to pay the bill. I'm willing to pay for that at the end. I don't want to make a habit of it because that's not my job. And that's I'm not here to pay for your drinks. But in the end... The person kept on talking after they were done drinking because I said, oh, you don't have enough to pay for your bill. You're $5. Okay, well, you're done. you're done drinking. And then he had people come over. Now, you may disagree with me on this, but if you're drinking is not a thing you need to survive. I know I'm as a non-drinking alcoholic or an alcoholic in recovery. It may seem like you need a drink, but you really don't need it. Unless, you know, to avoid maybe uh, the jitters or something like that. But this person was drinking all day. And he approached several people to buy drinks, but he neglected to tell the people that were going to buy him a drink that he did not pay his bill yet. And I said, listen, until you pay your bill, your full bill, you're not getting another drink. 
And I said to people, and they said, I'd like to buy him a drink. And I said, do you know the whole story? Well, whatever you're going to buy him, tack on, you know, it was only $5, but $5 under. Unless you're willing to pay $5 on top, that's it. And it'll be on you. You could, you could pay it, you know. But I, I didn't even say that. I did say that. But in the end, I said, he can't drink until the bill's paid. And you're not paying it. And they didn't. They didn't want to pay when they found out the whole story. And I hate that had to dime him out. But he kept on approaching people. And one guy was coming in to pick up his to-go order. And he hit him up for it. Can I buy this guy a drink? And I said, I'm sorry. But, you know, I told him that whole story. And he goes, oh, I understand. I said, listen, it's not no, none of your concern. I'm dealing with it right now. And he stayed around for an extra 40 minutes. And he says, you know, I'm sorry for being an asshole. I'm sorry for being an asshole. I didn't mean to make you angry. I said, you know, you, you may not intended to have been an asshole. And you're trying to tell me you're not an asshole. But he, this guy convinced me that he was an asshole because he stayed around. He stayed around at the end. And he wasn't his normal intoxicated self. He just was, that's what he was doing today. That day. His intention was to drink. And what he does when every time he gets a check, he will spend all of it and then attempt to, you know, owe people money. And he may end up paying people. But I tell him, until he cannot do this, he can never do this again. I said, listen, you have to go someplace else. You could have spent your $10 someplace else getting a, a, a six-pack instead of coming and annoying me at the bar. It sounds selfish to me and things like that, but I have other people I have to serve. And my job isn't... I know I've talked to this guy too on Bloom in the Face and saying, you don't have to keep on doing this. This isn't working for you. If you ever want to learn about an alternate way you'd like to live your life, please ask me. But this, what you're doing here... blowing all your money on, on booze and not having enough money for your, your check every so often is not working. And it's not something we're going to help you with. You're going to have to find someone else to aid and abet in that. And that gets to the point of these emotional vampires. They just suck the life out of you. Wherever you go to work, there's people that come in. They, they're they the people that greet you with the bad news. Hey, how are you? Having a good day? I got to talk to you right now. So-and-so died. You know, is it, really, is it really important? If it's really important that you have to start with bad news because it's so close, near, and dear to you, I understand that. But to just be a storm crow and the first thing you hear out of someone's mouth is something negative. Think about what you say to people and say, listen, oh, well, how was one? You know, if you can't talk about something nice the first time you see someone, isn't it a beautiful day? Oh, it's dry and crisp. I love this weather. You know, it's not someone saying, oh, I'm freezing my ass off and stuff like that. Yeah, people say that all the time. Oh, I'm tired. I feel sick. I'm like this. Well, you're sitting on your ass all day drinking in a bar. That may not help. 
I'm talking about the people that really lay it on. They really lay it on. If you if you need to talk to someone, maybe it is uh, you know when they come in and you say, "Listen, I'm going to schedule. I want to talk to you about this. I want you to talk about that." I know, for me, I am affected by that. So affected. I'm not. I haven't gotten to that Zen part, that Zen talent of that. No matter what. Someone says, not taking something personally, not, not letting bad news affect me. You know, there's got to be a balance. I like to see something. I like to laugh. I like to laugh first or smile first and say, hello, how are you? And there are people, lots of people like that, that the first thing they do is positive and happy and they go, blah, blah, blah. And they go that, oh, sadly, this happened. There's a woman, a cl- uh, close uh, patron, who within a year, within six months, lost her husband and her son. Her son from another marriage. But her, her husband, she was in her, he's in his 70s, son was in his early 50s. And I know she's sad when she comes in. I understand why she's sad. And she still smiles when she sees me and I go over and hug her and stuff like that. And you know what? She does not bring me down. That's bad news. She has major reasons, major reasons to do it. But she comes by to be consoled and to be happy. And she's ready to laugh. And there's other people that have no apparent. No, no apparent. That's very important because you don't know exactly what's going on in someone's life. But if they're striking out and trying to steal your thing, being, being nasty, you know, there's nothing you could do to stop them from saying something, but you can do something about the way you react to it. You can... You can ignore what they say, take care of what they need, and try not to interact and say, I'm sorry to hear that. Boom. Uh, There's some people, you know, you have to just say, hey, this is enough for today. Let's not pile on. Let's, let's Let's start out with some good stuff. Do you have anything good for me today? Anything good for me? And... Part of that is me leading in, into it. I guess maybe when you're walking in and you're cheerful and stuff like that, some people are there. They're, they're the bluebird, you know, they're the anti-bluebird of happiness. They're looking this shit on you. And, the, and getting back to that, I'm not happy until you're unhappy. And they live perpetually under a cloud. There was a song by David Gray. It's in, say, uh, I saw the video. This year's love. And in the video, this guy is walking around. And there's a permanent storm cloud over him. A, por- a permanent storm cloud. Storm cloud. And then in the end, he, I guess it's kind of like talking to people that are going through similar situations. They get all together and 
they bring their storm clouds together and they turn a desert into a, a, a vibrant, florid oasis. Right? Kind of like the misery loves company thing. Misery doesn't love company. Misery likes making its own company. Because a lot of times, miserable people just don't like being around miserable. Sometimes they like to be alone. Other times they need to make... They, they need to see an absence of happiness. Right? So, there's got to be tactics we can use. There's got to be. I haven't found a perfect one because I, I used to meditate all the time. And I intend to carve out a little time today after I do this podcast to sit back and just meditate. And try to get back to, I guess, that middle part of the thing where you're not... You're, you're no place. You're getting rid of any of the baggage you're carrying around. This this morning, I'm not going to bring you down. I just, there was someone suddenly passed and there were a student in my spin class and they were there 10 days before and they passed away alone. Alone. And just like my friend did uh, a month or two ago that we just had a memorial service, this person was... I thought was very healthy and I was very surprised to hear that and it saddened me but it didn't put me into a funk there is a a play by Shakespeare Henry V and it's not one of the battle scenes or anything like that there is a side story going on in Henry V, and it's one of the new king, Henry V, his former companions were kind of happy-go-lucky drunkards led by a a low-ranking knight called Sir John Falstaff. And they're full of drunken debauchery, just drinking and women and all this stuff. And there's Bardolph, Pistol, and Nim are the friends. Uh, and there's John Falstaff and the former the former friend. They called him Hal, but it was Henry. He's already assumed the throne. And when King Henry V denies John Falstaff and doesn't accept him as his friend after being friends for a year, he decides that he's got to separate himself from him. John Falstaff falls into a funk. And he gets ill and he dies among his friends, his other friends, Bardolph, Nim, and Pistol. And Nim, Bardolph, and the page, their little, the young assistant, are kind of bemoaning the passing of Sir John Falstaff. And they're kind of sad and, and moaning. And finally, Pistol walks over and he goes, Hey, you know, enough of this. Sir John is dead, but we will live. We will live. Meaning, he, he didn't say it like that, but we, what he meant, he did say, We live. And I guess the meaning I took from it is like, 
we're alive. We're not dead. And why don't we keep on doing what we've been doing? And he didn't go in any further and say, listen, this is the best way to celebrate Sir John. Would be by continuing. Right? Because I don't think that's what they wanted. And that's kind of like that attitude for when you walk into a place and say, you hear bad news and go, oh, that is horrible. That's horrible news. But my life is not horrible. Okay, and another thing, we do have listeners in Eastern Europe. And I don't really talk about things like this because it's sometimes people say, why are you talking about international politics? Well, that was my, that's always my thing, my interest. And you know how I, I think uh, Russia's in the grips of Putin. I think it's an autocracy. And right now, I think he's, po- he's posing on the border of Ukraine. He might attack, he might not. But he's trying to take away, I mean, it serves two, two roles for him putting his troops on the border of Ukraine. First, it distracts the Russians from how poorly their country's being led and how poorly they're being served. Secondly, he doesn't like the idea of NATO moving to his doorstep. And since 1997, and after the fall of the Soviet Union, former Warsaw Pact com- Uh, countries and some former Soviet states. See, there's different. Soviet states were the ones that were in the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact were countries that outside the Soviet Union but were closely aligned with it, much like our NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization that was formed to defend itself against an ever burgeoning and strong Soviet Union. A A week in Europe was defended in alliance with a strong United States or North America. Can you take Canada in there with it? So you have former Soviet republics of uh, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia. They're part of NATO. Poland is part of NATO. Bulgaria and Hungary, I think they're both part of NATO. Ukraine isn't. It has an associate status. And what Putin tried to say is, and listen, I will not, I mean, I guarantee you no invasion if you decide not to put any troops in any countries of the former Eastern Europe or former Warsaw Pact. Now, NATO's decided, no, that's not going to happen. But they didn't go far enough to say we guarantee, NATO didn't say we're going to go to war for Ukraine, which is dangerous. I understand it's dangerous because um, three of NATO members have, Nuclear weapons, that's the United States, Britain, and France. And Russia has nuclear weapons. Now, Ukraine used to have nuclear weapons, but they gave, they, at one point, Ukraine had the third most nuclear weapons in the world. Yeah, the third most, even past China. Uh, because uh, they were part of the Soviet Union. And so... But they gave them up. They turned them over to uh, Russia because at this point, Russia has promised they're never going to interfere with Ukraine. Now they're talking about how Ukraine is historic, uh, historically Russian. 
Well, I do understand that Putin's playing his role and he's playing cards now with his military. And he may be able to steamroll the Ukraine military in a swift invasion, but he will not be able to hold the country. If he thought he had a problem with Afghanistan, have tried to, you know, a, a well-educated and motivated Ukraine and see what that's like and see when they, you know, I mean, it's just messy. It is messy to try to occupy. There's not too many modern countries that post-World War II that have been invaded. Think about the two two first world countries that have fought each other. Argentina and United Kingdom was one, but the only invasion part was the Falkland Island where the British retook that. And I don't think there's, there's always been a, you know, uh, a advanced country kind of going to war against a less advanced country or two, you know, developing countries going to war. There's been more Cold War right now. So in 2014, Russia took Crimea, but the, they didn't, Ukraine really didn't resist. Now they have a more expanded defensive capabilities. So I think they're going to have a little problem in the long run. They might be able to take a little land and fortify and take over part, but they're not going to convince they're not going to convince Ukrainians and the Europeans that you know it's a good idea to pull back. And there's countries out there, Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia, seeing what they do they're doing, and Poland and Hungary and Bulgaria are seeing what he's doing on Ukraine, and they don't want to pull out of NATO. Because whereas NATO, if you attack any member state of NATO, you're attacking every member state of NATO. That's the treaty. And it's kind of backfiring on them additionally because Finland and Sweden are not form, are not members of NATO. And now Finland is considering, and Finland is notoriously no, uh, neutral, and Sweden. They're both considering joining NATO because of the behavior of Russia and they're acting up in the Baltic and that's where these guys are there. So I just want to send out my best wishes you Ukraine. I understand the tight spot they're in. They're saying, hey, listen, if you want to combat Russia, all you have to do is give us the weapons. Send us some tanks, send us some jets, send us some combat uh, helicopters, attack helicopters and things like that and we'll, we'll use them. Well, Better said than done, because that would be direct involvement, and people don't want to start a shooting war. But they're they're looking to enact certain what you call it, disciplinary actions if they do invade. And I don't know if that would be enough, but I certainly think the whole thing is there's not much you can do. There's not much you could do. Ukraine can't do a preemptive attack. As of we're speaking right now, there was a cyber attack on the Ukraine. And that could be, usually with cyber attacks and stuff like that, it could possibly be the precursor to a land attack. Or a sea attack, because the Russian Navy controls the Black Sea. Well, who knows? But all I'm here to say is, I realize the difficult situation you're in, and... uh, I'm wishing you well. I wish I do support the support that we're giving you. I wish they could do more, but 
you know, countries are relatively, relatively reluctant to put their soldiers in harm's way for someone, even if they're in a treaty organization. But the treaty organization guarantees that they have to do it. That's in the, when the, the Congress gave permission to intervene. When uh, it gives permission for our country to intervene when a treaty member is attacked. Okay, so that's the reason that they were reluctant to extend membership to Ukraine because they're always going to do that. Eventually, if things settle down. If I was the Ukraine, I would, I mean, they are looking to become NATO members, but they know that NATO membership will definitely come in handy against ever more belligerent Russia. And we wish them well. I'm signing off. I know I went on a little long about that, but I do want to thank the people in uh, the Ukraine for listening and uh, hope uh, you do well. And I hope it doesn't come to fruition. I hope they see the Russians see the air of their way. Uh, not the Russians themselves, but the Russian government sees it every way. Because Russian people, I know Russians, they're, not, they're decent people. And they only get the information that the government gives them. Right? So it's not the Russian people. They don't want to send their kids to die in a needless war. They're being told that Ukraine is traditionally a Russian country. And Ukrainians think they're part of Russia and stuff like that. If the Ukrainians thought they were part of Russia, they wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to line up troops there. Okay? You wouldn't have to line troops along the border. So that's, you know, that should settle that question when anybody says it. Oh, you know, normally when people want to be part of a country, they don't go to war with them. Okay, well, this is Jim the Keys Bartender signing off. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.